0: I want to wrap up today with something that would be a, will be a 100% review, I'm sure, for everybody. Uh, but what, what takes it from uh, something we learned in Sunday school to uh, something that profoundly affects the direction of our life, and, and if our, all of our lives are profoundly uh, affected in terms of direction, then NBC's direction will be profoundly affected, is, uh, is, is the matter of uh, doing it daily. Uh, or consistently, if it's, not, if it's not legalistically daily, that, uh, that it becomes a pattern uh, of our life. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming a believer more and more as I age that uh, I have missed the boat uh, in some respects because my daily um, patterns uh, weren't what other people's were. Um, I had, uh, I've had daily patterns uh, over the course of uh, years uh, where I was uh, eating just a few more calories than I burned. And uh, that comes with predictable results over the course of a year or five. And I pay. I've uh, I've I've been living proof of that. Now, if I was as good at saving dollars as I am at saving calories, uh, I'd be a very rich man. Uh, but it's the same principle. Uh, the way you save dollars is you uh, spend a little less than you burn uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I'm sorry, you burn you burn through less cash than you than you uh, than you save up. Uh, and that's how you end up having more cash at the end of life. And I've seen uh, friends and family who have uh, done better at that than me, uh, not just because they made a bunch more, but they made better daily and, uh, decisions and uh, they had a better pattern of life. And I've, I've seen the results of that now. It didn't, it didn't seem that significant to me in my 20s. Uh, but then uh, now t- 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, I'm seeing uh, the results in their lives and it's a, it's a profound difference, and so what I'm talking to you about today isn't something that I'm, I'm thinking is something you've never heard before. I'm not thinking it's something that uh, you need to hear, even for that matter, uh, but it's something that has become uh, very powerful in my life. As I was preparing for district assembly uh, about three, four years ago, uh, God just really impressed upon me that, uh, that the good things that have happened in my ministry have been uh, more often than not, if not always, the answer to somebody else's prayer. So while I was uh, working diligently, I was trying to build good relationships. I was trying to to uh, take the right risks. Uh, I was uh, working hard. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think on a human level, um, there is a connection between uh, working hard, between doing the right things day in and day out, treating people right day in and day out and good things happening. Uh, but the Holy Spirit just really impressed me during that week leading up to assembly, that every good thing that's ever happened in my ministry has probably been the answer to somebody else's prayer, and then He challenged me uh, to spend the rest of my life uh, having the kind of prayer life that could produce those kinds of outcomes in other people's ministries, uh, to to become the the same prayer warrior for others that so many had been for me, and and uh, and to, to to have a to play a part in them experiencing um, overwhelming victory and success and effectiveness uh, in their their ministry endeavors. I I had uh, uh, a bunch of pastors that increasingly I felt responsible for uh, over time. Uh, Anytime you lead a team, you you feel responsible more and more the longer you work together. And uh, I, I just was convicted by the Lord, how many people have had great ministry results because of your prayers uh, for them? And uh, that list wasn't real long. Uh, and so I determined at that point, I wanted to, to learn from the Lord how to pray in a way that, uh, that could produce victory and thriving and uh, kingdom results, not just in my life, and my ministry, but way beyond uh, my life in ministry. And so I went back uh, to how Jesus said to pray. Uh, We do have some real advantages in scripture in that uh, there are some pretty important matters of life where, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't uh, beat around the bush. He doesn't just leave it up to guesswork. He actually just says, hey, this is how you should do it. And any time he comes out and says, hey, this is how you should do it. uh, I don't know about you. It may be simplistic, but I just kind of think, well, that's probably how we should do it. Uh, and and that's probably what I ought to practice, and it ought to become second nature to me. Uh, the Great Commission, I think, is that way. I think if we look at the Great Commission as instructions, uh, it'll change how we do church. It'll change what we measure. It'll it'll uh, help it'll help anchor us into a way of operating that is uh, doesn't have to be constantly uh, second guessed and and questioned. Uh, and and Jesus uh, tells us how to pray Matthew chapter six and the Lord's Prayer. And so I just want to, I want to read through this and then I want to talk you through what I, what I think he's teaching us. And this, you've probably read way better stuff on the Lord's Prayer than I'm going to share with you today. In fact, I have no doubt you have. Uh, you have probably preached, uh, those of you who preach better stuff than I'm about to, to share with you. Uh, but this is so simple for me that it helps me be able to repeat it on a regular basis. And uh, one of the questions I, uh, I developed over time, uh, the two churches that I was lead pastor of, uh, when, I, when I got there, uh, the church was in decline and uh, in debt and, and in a little bit of desperation. And um, I didn't ride in on a white horse with all the answers. Uh, but one thing God taught me through that is uh, every time we wring our hands about anything in a meeting, uh, we're going to stop right then and pray and ask God for what whatever provision would fix that. And uh, we just made it a habit day in and day out, meeting in and meeting out, uh, not to let ourselves get too far gone in, um, in uh, talking about what's not right uh, or w- if we only had this. Every time something like that came up, we stopped right on a dime and we prayed and said, uh, at least when we caught it, uh, Lord, would you would you do this for us? And when a meeting gets interrupted by prayer four or five times, uh, it changes the meeting and it, it changes our hearts. And when we begin to have specific answers to those specific prayers, uh, it, uh, it raises, it raises uh, the tide uh, spiritually across that entire organization. And so I think uh, if we would pattern our prayer life around what Jesus, how Jesus said to pray, uh, and what I see in the Lord's Prayer is basically when Jesus says, hey, this is how you should pray, uh, he's asking God for six things. And uh, if if I would organize my prayer life around asking God for the very things that uh, God tells me to ask him for, ask him for, that Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Now, he didn't say this is what we should pray. So the Lord's Prayer wasn't primarily intended, in my view, to be a prayer that we memorize and repeat uh, it, it was a template for how we should pray, not what we should pray, but how we should pray. And Jesus asks uh, the Father for six things in this prayer. So let's, let's run through those six things here real quick. Uh, I'm just going to read it. I'm reading from the New King James Version uh, because it includes the, the last little part of verse 13 that we traditionally uh, uh, pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Some of the newer versions uh, don't have that last little part. Uh, since that's how we pray it, I thought I'd use a, a translation that has it in there. Uh, uh, starting in verse eight of Matthew chapter six, therefore do not be like them talking about people who want to be seen and noticed and uh, pray in order to impress other people rather than God Uh, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Uh, So I do know going into prayer that I'm not telling God anything. He doesn't already know. Uh, I'm, I'm coming to prayer, not to make a speech. I'm coming to, I'm coming to the Lord in prayer Uh, because he is and he has everything i need uh, for what i'm supposed to do in my life and who i'm supposed to be in my life so verse 9 says in this manner therefore pray Uh, in the niv i think it says this is this then is how you should pray and uh, here here he goes he says our father in heaven hallowed be your name i would say that's the first ask that's the first thing that jesus says to ask god for when you pray. And I think this is uh, critically important for us because uh, when we start with glorifying God's name, lifting up God's name, magnifying his greatness, when the first thing I ask God for is for his name to be hallowed, to be honored, to be revered, to be glorified, it sets the tone for everything else in my prayer because everything else in my prayer comes under that. Everything else in my prayer is going to be less important than that and is going to serve that first priority. Uh, it's amazing what first priorities do for us. Uh, when I get home, um, whenever I get home, the first thing I say when I walk in the door can set the tone for everything else I'm gonna say that night and everything else I'm gonna hear that night. Uh, and so I better pay attention to what I say first when I walk in the door, because the first thing I say has outsized importance to my uh, to the my relationship with my wife and my daughters when they lived at home. Uh, and I think it does with our Lord too. Uh, he, I just uh, opened the wrong window here. Hang on just a second. me get back to my text. So the first thing Jesus says for us to ask the Lord for is uh, is for God's name to be hallowed. So that's the, that's the first. The second thing he asked for is he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you could argue those are two different asks, uh, but I would suggest to you that that's one ask. That's one request. Uh, for God's kingdom to come. And what does it mean for God's kingdom to come? Uh, does it mean that uh, we get the right president in office? Does it mean that we have the right social order, the right economic structure? Uh, what does it mean for God's kingdom? Does it mean that uh, that all of our Christian morals are codified in law? Is that, is that what we mean when we say God's kingdom come? Uh, what Jesus is talking about when he says your kingdom come, I think he explains in that, in that uh, next sentence. Your kingdom come your will be done. So God's kingdom happens whenever God's will is done. In my life, God's kingdom breaks in every time I say yes to God and trust him by faith uh, and and do what he says. Every time there's obedience, there is God's kingdom. Uh, And so our our desire is that God's kingdom uh, would be near, that God's kingdom would break into our own lives and our own decisions and our own obedience, that his will would be done in our lives, but also through our lives, and also uh, beyond our lives in this world, we pray for that. So Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. What do we mean by that? We pray, we mean, that means your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, now, I'm, I'm trying not to preach this. I'm just walking through it. So uh, forgive me here a little bit. But uh, that line, on earth as it is in heaven, if I was teaching you to pray, you would have every reason to think, well, that's an overreach. Uh, Because things just aren't going to be on earth like they are in heaven. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the point of earth not being heaven, right? Uh, So if I'm praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, aren't aren't I setting my prayer life up to always fall a little short? uh, To to kind of over, am I over asking uh, something that I know by definition isn't going to happen? Well, if I was teaching you that, that would be a very legitimate critique and response. But I'm not the one teaching this. Jesus is telling us this is how you should pray. And so Jesus, for some reason, thinks it's a good idea for me to uh, operate on the assumption in my prayer life that I'm talking to a God who wants his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven and has the ability to do something about it. And so every time I, I pray to the Lord, and I, if I decide I'm going to ask God for what Jesus told me to ask him for, I'm going to ask for his name to be glorified and hallowed. Uh, through my life and in this world. I'm going to ask for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is an outlandish, overly optimistic, uh, you could argue unrealistic prayer, and it's exactly how Jesus told us to pray. And I wonder if we would be so boldly audacious as to start asking God for things that we've already decided are impossible, even for God, if we might start seeing some things uh, that, uh, that, that we would think are impossible for us, for sure. And maybe by default, we almost assume it's impossible for God, so we don't ask. Uh, what is there that, that, you, that you have not asked God for because it just seems too outlandish? Uh, now, this has to fall under the, the umbrella of his kingdom coming, of his, his will being done. Uh, there's a yieldedness that comes with these asks that I'm not asking for God to do my will. I'm asking for his will uh, to be done, which I think emboldens my prayer. All right, I'm, I'm just flat out preaching now. So uh, let me go to the, the second one. The se- that's the second one. The third thing he tells us to ask for is to give us this day our daily bread. We ask God for the provision of our life, for that which we need to survive. Um, I've, uh, I've, I think I've talked about the Lord's Prayer in chapel before, and, uh, and I think I've made these exact same points before. The reason I'm doing it now is because this month I wanted our chapels to be about uh, what's the NBC culture. What is our culture of working together and uh, in working in partnership with each other and in partnership with the Lord. And this is just too much of a key part of our partnership to leave out, even if it's, even if it's repetitive. Uh, and so I wanted to hit it uh, today. Uh, when we pray for God's provision, we, uh, we recognize that he is the source of that provision, that he is the provider and we are the receiver. And even though I may go out and work for my money and I may go to the store and spend my money, I'm not the one providing that. I'm receiving that from the Lord and I am cooperating with the gift giver. Uh, That language may sound familiar coming from me because you've, uh, you've now heard it a couple of times before. And, and, but it's still, I recognize him as the source. And when I have a need, I ask him, and maybe I should ask him for more stuff than uh, than I do. Uh, maybe I should should be a little bit more methodical and habitual, repetitive in, in what I ask God for. Uh, there was a book by Bruce Wilkinson years ago called uh, "The Prayer of Jabez," and uh, that would have been a really, really good, insightful little book had it not become such a craze uh, and had people not uh, not attached. Almost this uh, spell casting power to uh, these particular words that Jabez prayed. It became so big that it almost became a caricature of itself. And but but when you look at that story and how Jabez prayed, uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is he prayed that God would bless him. And uh, one of the things that I that I gleaned from that uh, from that book is that uh, I need to be asking for God to bless me. Uh, How often in your prayers do you ask God to bless you? Uh, In fact, would it be outrageous to ask God to overwhelmingly bless you? Uh, Would it be outrageous to start asking God for the things that, um, that we know we need, or maybe even that would be the desires of our heart? Maybe we know we're not gonna die if we don't get this, but for some reason, there's a desire in our heart for it. Maybe we ask God for that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about asking God for a a new car. Uh, Although, why not? Uh, If I, if I, Jesus said you have not because you ask not. So not. I'm not suggesting health and wealth and prosperity gospel here. Um, What I am suggesting is uh, this is how Jesus told us to pray. Uh, And I don't think Jesus meant that we should only pray for bread and nothing else. Uh, I think we pray for God to provide uh, for our needs. Now, this all falls under the umbrella of his kingdom coming and his will being done and his name being glorified. And so if what I'm asking for isn't gonna glorify his name and it's not gonna uh, break break in his kingdom and uh, cause his will to be done, then it's probably uh, doesn't fall in the flow of the context of this prayer. So then he, he asks us, he says uh, the fourth thing he tells us to pray for is uh, lord forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors uh the language trespasses used in some cases i like both of those words forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us um this this uh business of asking god for forgiveness sometimes is dicey in the holiness movement and uh, i would just say to you this uh jesus said to ask god for forgiveness <laughs> and and so it's probably okay for sanctified people to ask God for forgiveness. Uh, John Wesley has a great sermon called Repentance in the Life of the Believer. And so uh, we need to remember that sanctification doesn't mean that we will never again sin. It means that we will never have to. It, it means that that if we sin, we have an advocate before the Father, and we have the power from God by His Holy Spirit not to. Uh, and And yet there may be, there may be uh, things that I choose to ask God to forgive me for that in the moment, I didn't, I didn't intend to rebel against him. But I look back now and and see that, wow, that, that wasn't, um, that wasn't great. That wasn't the best decision. It wasn't the best judgment. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, the best version of myself. And so when, if there's a question about whether something could be considered black and white theologically, scripture and verse sin or not, um, why not just ask God to forgive me? I can tell you this. um, I've asked my wife and my daughters to forgive me for things that I'm still pretty sure weren't my fault. And I do that because it could have been my fault because I understand I'm a really flawed uh, person with, um, with far from perfect judgment. And so even if I can't see it, if I see that I've caused uh, an issue uh, or been a part of an issue, I wanna make it right. I wanna ask uh, for my, uh, my, the ledger to be clear. Uh, Jesus says, pray and ask God to forgive you. And then he adds on to that, as we forgive our debtors, uh, we're not, he doesn't instruct us to pray that God would help us forgive our debtors. Uh, he doesn't ask us to pray that somehow we, we would have the grace to do it eventually. He says, he says it as if it's just an act of our will, that we choose whether, that, whether we're going to consider them uh, in our debt or not. Uh, to just basically say, you don't owe us anything for what you've taken from us. And really, every time somebody sins against us, they've taken something from us that wasn't theirs to take. Uh, and so when we say to God, Lord, would you forgive me for what I have taken from you that wasn't mine to take as I forgive others for what they've taken from me? Here's, here's a brutal truth of life that um, no one has ever sinned against me any greater than I have sinned against God? No matter what's happened to me, no matter who did it, no matter what they did, it's it's not greater than what I how, how I have violated my trust with God and my how I have sinned against God. Uh, that's a tough one to take because some people have experienced some pretty egregious uh, evils in their life, uh, and yet. And yet I think we, because we understand we have been forgiven much, uh, will find it easier to uh, forgive those who have, uh, who have crossed us. Uh, so that's, that's what God tells us. That's what Jesus tells us to ask for, uh, for forgiveness. And, and maybe every time I pray, uh, that's in that, and that's not a license to go out and live however I want. So that, because I know tomorrow I'm going to ask for forgiveness again. Uh, that's not biblical. That's not, uh, uh, it's not Wesleyan for sure. Um, uh, but we understand that even at our best, even at our best, um, we are not immune from, uh, from needing God's grace and, uh, and maybe his forgiveness. So Jesus says, ask for it. Um, uh, I'm a little bold on this because, um, I spent too long wondering, is this really something I ought to be teaching people to go to God and ask for his forgiveness if they're sanctified? And, um, uh, And I'm just convinced now Jesus told us to pray this way. It's probably how we ought to pray. Then he says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we know that uh, Jesus is teaching this in Matthew chapter six. And we remember what happened in Matthew chapter four. Uh, Jesus was led into the desert by the spirit to be tempted. And uh, now he's teaching us to pray that God would not lead us into temptation. I think this had uh, some pretty poignant force uh, when Jesus taught it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This prayer for uh, being led away from temptation and to be delivered from evil, from the evil one, uh, I think is is a powerful prayer for us. Uh, because it saves us from getting cynical. It saves us from a, dis- a chronic discontent in life. It saves us from a sense that... Uh, Uh, those who we know, uh, and I'm guessing that parents understand, I know parents understand this, uh, anybody who loves anybody understands this, you understand that feeling you get when somebody you love is in bondage. Uh, Our churches are held back uh, over and over and over and over again in lots and lots of places because uh, people who are uh, leaders in the church, people who are part of the church are in bondage. They're in bondage to bitterness. They're in bondage to uh, habits. They're they are in bondage to mindsets. They're in bondage to judgmentalism. Uh, there's so much that, uh, that holds people back. And for us to be the kind of people who say, I'm going to ask God for the things that Jesus told me to ask God for. And one of those is deliver us from the evil one. Deliver my loved ones from the evil one. Deliver my friends from the evil one. Deliver my church from the evil one. If we would, I think uh, this business of You know, Deliverance Ministries, and and uh, are you praying the right prayer in order to get God to do the right thing? I think all that is is uh, frankly silliness. Uh, When when I can pray for deliverance by doing it exactly how Jesus taught me to, how did Jesus tell me to pray for deliverance? He said, "Deliver us from the evil." (laughs) That's uh, that's a pretty good way to do it. So Jesus is telling us here to ask for these things, Uh, and then he he ends by saying, "For yours is the kingdom." And the power and the glory forever. It's a good reminder, and it takes us right back to the beginning of the prayer uh, that we're praying all of this for God to be glorified, for God's uh, um, for God's good name to be honored, and it's His kingdom we seek. It's His power we desperately need. It's His glory that uh, is is forever, and it's why we're asking for all this stuff in the first place. So here's the here's where I leave you on on this front. I took this challenge a few years back to just to, to decide to order my prayer life around the things that Jesus uh, taught us to ask for and uh, to order my whole prayer life around asking God for the things Jesus commanded me to ask him for. And it's uh, it's been remarkable to me how I have seen God work in these particular areas uh, over the course of those years. And I'm continually uh, challenged and convicted uh, that my prayer life drifts. Uh, my prayer life becomes perfunctory. If I'm not careful, my prayer life, uh, frankly, at times becomes absent. Um, and I, every time I catch myself telling somebody I'm going to pray for that, um, I'm, I'm checked by the Holy spirit now. And, uh, and I want to say, I, I'm praying for that right now. Um, and I want to stop right then and just ask God uh, for what he's, um, uh, for what he's told me to ask God for. Um, uh, I wonder if you think about uh, Nazarene Bible College, what is it that we need that we don't have? Uh, Where is it we need to get that we're not yet? Uh, What is it we need to contribute that we're incapable of uh, at this point? Uh, If we would begin to just stop maybe right in the middle of our meetings and every time something comes up that uh, that's outside of our influence or our control, that that is a lack. Um, something we would do if we could, some, somebody we would serve if we had the, the resources, that we would just stop and ask. If we need favor from uh, somebody, if we need uh, more bandwidth to be able to, uh, to make a change in a student's uh, life, uh, if we need students to step up and, and do better, uh, what, um, what would it cost us just to stop and ask God for whatever that is? Uh, I hope I can become a better and better model of that, uh, not just for the team I lead at work, uh, but for the family I, I'm a part of, um, for my for my own kids. Um, I'd love it if uh, they if they got this right very early as they're raising their own families, uh, and uh, they saw that uh, they have a direct line to, to the one who has uh, who has everything we need and who is everything we'll ever need. Uh, so what did? What, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Ask for God's name to be glorified. Ask for his kingdom to come, and mean, which means his will to be done. Ask for him to provide our, our daily bread. Ask for him to forgive us our debts. Ask for him to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I guess those are five uh, big asks. And, I, and I, would, I would add that last one as an ask as well. Um, because we're asking for, we're, we're, we're yielding, basically. Um, we're offering ourselves up uh, to him. Uh, let me just read the rest of this uh, passage. I'm sorry, let me just skip ahead and go to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and be, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So this passage, taken all by itself, Uh, could go on the side of coffee mugs and people could uh, put it on t-shirts asking it'll be given to you seek and you'll find knocking the door will be open i mean that's a that's a hopeful optimistic very active verse uh here's here's where i want to leave you is that this passage comes at the end of the sermon on the mount and i would suggest to you that it is contingent on uh on us accepting everything god has taught us in the sermon on the mount because that provides the context for what we ask, what we seek, and where we knock. And that asking and seeking and knocking uh, has to be uh, consistent and repetitive and focused on the kinds of things that will bring God glory, that will, uh, will cause his will to be done in this world, that will provide what needs to be provided, that will deliver people from evil, that will uh, foster forgiveness. Uh, Those are the kinds of things that we're being instructed to ask for, and through the entire Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're told, uh, don't worry about this life, uh, but seek first God's kingdom. Uh, Jesus has set the context for our asking, seeking, and knocking, and then his promise is contingent on us asking, seeking, and knocking for the things that uh, fit the context of that Sermon on the Mount. I I see that. Uh, By the way, when you think about asking God for the things that Jesus taught us to ask him for and having that be a, kind of the, the model of your prayer life, uh, let me just uh, throw this out there. If you take the first letter of ask, seek, and knock, uh, what's that spell? Uh, to me, that's that's an interesting little uh, tidbit, and it, <laughs> it just reinforces for me, uh, if i if I have a lack in my life, and I always do, I need to ask. And ask is active. Ask is, uh, is, I can even say, proactive. Um, And so for us as an organization, how does this affect our organizational culture? Uh, Wouldn't wouldn't it be something if uh, we just became aggressive, persistent, uh, constant askers of God? And uh, we made it a point to never wring our hands for more than a second before we ask God for whatever it is we're wringing our hands over. And, and ask God to lead us and direct us into the kinds of things he's, uh, he's wanting us to ask for along the way. Uh, I, I'm convinced more than ever that um, that the folks across Africa and South America, um, folks in Asia, you know, the churches are uh, rocking and rolling across the world. And when I encounter uh, folks uh, in these, these hot spots of revival around the world, One thing that they have in common that I think maybe sometimes we're in danger of losing is they read the New Testament and they they and they do it (laughs) like they believe it. And they think this is the kind of stuff that ought to be happening in our lives. Uh, And I just wonder if I could use a fresh dose of that kind of uh, simple response. And when Jesus says this is how it should be. Uh, just to to say to myself, okay, this is how I'm going to be then. And this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to do it the way Jesus said to do it. Until uh, maybe somebody comes along and proves them wrong. Uh, so far, I haven't had him proved wrong one time in my life. And uh, now my understanding has grown. And uh, some of my conceptions have been challenged. Uh, but uh, I have yet to prove Jesus wrong when I just set out simply to respond in faith and do what he says. Uh, that's the long way of... Uh, of saying I was trying not to preach this, uh, but uh, there I went.